Welcome to this week's podcast from Oceans Church in Orange County. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. For more information, please visit our website at theoceanschurch.com. So honored. Um, you know, it's been, it's been a special season that we've been in right now. Uh, really has been. I feel like even um, just from, from conference, how many were at first conference this year in January? So cool to see what God did during first conference. You know, literally someone getting out of a wheelchair. Miracles, signs, wonders. We've been talking about turning the world right side up. And uh, we started a series two weeks ago called The Impossible. And I do believe this, that pastors oftentimes get in their churches what they preach. That's why I don't preach on, on patience. Because if you ask God for patience, he doesn't give you patience. He gives you opportunities. I don't want any extra opportunities to be patient. And oftentimes what we ask for, God presents opportunities with. And I I have seen over the last year uh, a world, a county, a state in need of a church that had faith for the impossible. And the Bible talks about in Luke 18, when the Son of Man returns, will he find any faith? And I believe that God is looking for people that believe still. So if you have your Bible today, if you're brand new to Ocean's Church, maybe you're atheist or agnostic, maybe you don't, you don't, you don't go to church usually, I want to say we're glad that you're here today. I, I really felt, I, I kind of had this just burden last night praying, and I felt like God was kind of giving me this, this uh, message today, and uh, kind of different. I felt like God was taking us in a new direction, in a, in a different direction this morning, but I'm excited for what God's going to do. If you have your Bible though this morning, I want you to grab it with me. I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, and uh, if you're there today, Ephesians chapter 5, when you get there, say, I'm there. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit today, and I want you to get one finger and put it in James chapter 5. So Ephesians chapter 5 and James chapter 5. And um, we're in a series right now called The Impossible. And I, I'm, I'm really encouraged today that I've seen God in my uh, 20 plus years of following Him uh, full time. I had a Verizon wireless plan back in the day. It was nights and weekends. Went full-time about 20-plus years ago. Before, it was like the Olive Garden. I was only a Christian when I was there. I was only family when I was there. And then when I left, I wasn't. And um, any other goofy little uh, dad jokes I can pull out here in the beginning. But uh, I, I do believe that something shifted in me. And I was raised in a church that saw signs and wonders. I was raised in a church that saw miracles. I, I was, I, I, quite frankly, I came to faith at 18, and the church that I was raised in for 20 years wasn't a perfect church, but it was a very healthy church. It was a church that was really an epicenter, a beachhead of what God was doing in the kingdom in that city. It was where saints and leaders and people from all over that region gathered and worshiped. It was where people forged friendships and, and relationships and networks and community. It was, a, it was an environment, how, you ever heard the phrase, it takes a village, it takes a church to raise a good family. And so I want to talk a little bit today, you know, I think one of the things that the world needs today in impossibly difficult times is it needs to see a very glorious church. And I want you to get your Bible today, Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 5, if you're there, say I'm there. And uh, I want to talk to you about this today, about the glorious church, glorious church. Y'all ready? All right. It says this in verse 25 of chapter five of the book of Ephesians. It says, husbands, love your wives. Ladies, come on, say amen. Amen. Just as Christ also loved the church. 
He gave himself for the church that he might sanctify her, which means to literally wash her and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. Side note, in marriage, I believe the way that we wash one another and encourage one another is with our words. Words can dirty your spouse and words can clean your spouse. But that's what Jesus does to his bride. That's why Sunday mornings you come in with problems. Sometimes you leave with the same problems, but you leave encouraged because you were washed with his words. And it says that he might present her. He washes her with his word that he might present her to himself. Say it with me. A glorious church. Not having spots or wrinkle or any such thing that we should be holy and without blemish. Husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. No one ever hated his own flesh but nourishes it, feeds it. Come on, come on, man, say amen. Just as the Lord does the church. Go to James chapter 5, James chapter 5. Just look at two passages this morning. James chapter 5, I'm going to start reading in verse 13. Is anyone in the world suffering? How, how many would say yes to that? Anybody say there's people suffering? People suffering in our country, in our state, our region. You drive by Skid Row, you go anywhere. I was in San Diego last week. You see people suffering everywhere. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone among you happy? Listen to the fish. <laughs> Kidding. Let him sing psalms. Is there anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord and the prayer of faith. The prayer what? Notice it wasn't the prayer of doubt. It wasn't the prayer of maybe. It was the prayer of will save the sick. What saves the sick? It's the prayer of faith. And the Lord will raise him up. If he's committed sins, he'll be forgiven. Confess your trespasses one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, the fervent prayer of a righteous man, it avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, good days, bad days. Some days his jeans fit, some days they were snug. But he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain in the land for three years and six months. He prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Glorious church. Glorious church. What's impossible in the world today? It's crazy. We have less money, less funding, less people, less, less everything. But I believe against all odds that there is a people that God could raise up. That, could, that beyond all possibilities could do something to change the course of nations. I want to talk to you today about, come on, God's glorious church. Y'all ready? Say good looking. Father, we love you today. I just ask you that you would come. I pray that you would speak to your people. I pray that you would lead this time, Holy Spirit. I pray for those that God have had a bad experience with church or religion. Let today be the day that you heal their wounds. I pray for those that have never been to an environment like this before. I pray that today would be the day that you would introduce yourself to them. And I pray also for those that have been to church their whole life but never had an encounter with your power. Let today be the day that they say the spirit of the living God resides in those tents. I pray whether they we're in San Juan today or we're here at Bake, God, would you have your way in Jesus' mighty name. And come on, God's people said amen. Amen, amen. I, I've, been married, uh, I've been married now. Uh, this September 30th will be 17 years. 17 years. We were young. We got married, as you can tell. 
It hurts that you don't laugh at that. Um, we got married, you know, relatively young. And uh, I'll never forget, I, I, I think weddings are something that are a, a bit of a mystery to all men. I'll, 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 I remember being shocked. I thought, like, I was going to propose. And then I thought, just, come on, this is what guys think about. You propose, you, you say, the big thing for guys is buying the ring, right? I'm going to p- save the money. I'm going to buy the ring. Make sure that, come on, she's, she's all into me. And uh, make, for Rochelle and I, things got serious when I lifted the restraining order. Um, uh, okay, okay, that's a joke. It's a joke. She loves that one. Uh, I was thinking about, no, we, uh, we, we started falling in love with each other and, uh, you know, bought the ring. And I think guys kind of had this very simple u- utopian idea of, like, we're just going to get engaged. And then, like, a couple months later, we're just going to show up, kind of roll out of bed, kind of rub our eyes, throw some clothes on, and show up to the church. And we're going to get married. Right? Like, it's going to be easy. It's going to be pretty, pretty, uh, pretty non-complicated. And I had no idea that there was things like colors. <laughs> guys, can I get a witness in here that you had no idea that their weddings have colors? Why do we need colors? Yeah, my wedding colors are going to... I want it to be a fall, a spring wedding, because I like, I like fall colors. I like burnt orange. I like, I like autumn gray. I'm like, what are you talking about? Colors. We got to find a cake. Like, like, I remember my sister-in-law who's in town. Come on, shout out to Tracy, Wild, Tracy Pace. Did a great job speaking yesterday for us at the Women's Collective. But I remember she got Rochelle uh, Christmas before, or maybe it was her birthday. She got a, a wedding planning book. I'm like, who needs a book to plan a wedding? We're not building a building. Just tell some people about it, you know? Make some phone calls. Send a couple emails, you know? It's going to be simple. I didn't think it was complicated. We're going through this wedding book. It was like probably twice the length of the Bible. It's like Vera Wang, wedding planning. I'm like, what in the heck is going on here? Just it was, it was a mystery to me. I'm like, I, and, and it had all these timelines. It's like, all right, s- 12 months out. I'm like, we don't have 12 months. You should be like, you know, praying for the venue and like believing, you know, like all these preliminary, like shopping this and shopping that and finding caterers and six months out, lock in your cake person and like, like, well, what? I got an aunt. Three months at lock-in photographer. I'm like, come on, Uncle Harry. That guy's got one of them nice digital cameras. DJ? Come on. Grandma's going to be there. I was thinking, man, this is way too, you guys are overcomplicating this process. I heard that the average cost, it's crazy, the average cost of a wedding, this is like five, six, ten years ago when I read this study, was $57,000. Obviously, it's because of some of you guys here in Orange County. Um, you guys hiked up some of the averages. Thanks for that. Uh, but I was thinking about, you know, weddings. There was so much preliminary stuff that went in on the back end. Uh, I had no idea. I, I, guys, I just want to, shoot, I want to warn you when you get engaged just, just to buckle up. Okay? It's be a bit of a ride. And more meetings, more, more details. I had, I had no idea. I'm like, man, let's just let's start a company instead. It's be easier. It's be easier to start a company, get a business license. Um, 
So we got married, and I'll never forget, I think weddings are awesome. You know, wedding's the day that you spend way too much money on one day. Can we all be honest on that? And it's pretty much the day that everybody pretends they're princes and princesses. And everybody's coming to your kingdom. You have royal subjects for one day. That's pretty much what a wedding is. She's going to pretend to be Cinderella. You're going to be Ken. Come on. And um, it's pretty much what, yeah. It's awesome, though. I, I'm not against it. It's awesome. But we, uh, we got married, you know, 17 years ago. And um, my wife, it's just amazing. I still, I still remember what she looked like. She came around just all dolled up. Come on. Guys, you remember that moment? You're like, it's like, I think there's some pepper spray in the smoke machines. A uh, little emotional. And I um, remember seeing my wife, but she was gorgeous. I would say that what's cool about the wedding day is you look back on your wedding albums. They always, I remember the photographer said, do not go cheap on your pictures. I'm like, Uncle Harry's legit. <laughs> Don't let the value fool you, okay? Um, but he... Uh, no, he said, don't, don't go cheap. He goes, because when you look back 10, 20, 30 years, these, these are the only things that are going to help you remember this, this moment. So don't go cheap. And so I, all right, we'll, we'll do that. So we, we, we did that. I, I remember even now, my daughters, they love looking through. We have these big bound, like, books that are, I don't know, that, I don't know, I, wedding books. Yeah, I call them a couple grand. <clears throat> um, what's the name of the book? Couple grand. Careful with couple grand. Um, but they were going through the wedding books and um, just, you know, looking at pictures of their mom. And I'll, I'll be honest, man, my wife, she's, she's already, she's gotten prettier every year. But, man, she started off really pretty, too. And I'm like, man, <laughs> she got better looking every year. This message is going, this tough, this tough message. Um, restraining orders and beauty and... Um, I was just thinking, though, if, if, guys, if I could get a good amen from you, I, th- I, would all, I think all of us would agree that there was something about your wife on your wedding day that was special. There was just an element of beauty. There was an element of excitement, enthusiasm, um, an, an element of just of romance, an element of just, uh, I don't know. I just, I, I feel like your wedding day is, I always tell young couples, it comes before you know it. It goes by so fast. So try to take it in as much as you can. But there's something about the beauty of the bride on the wedding day. We all know that moment when the whole crowd turns around and Cinderella enters her castle and uh, everyone's eyes are on the bride, and her, her, her makeup's flawless. Her dress is, is hand-selected and hand-tailored. And, uh, and just amazing. You watch this, this significant moment as she comes down the aisle, and she is joined to her husband. It's just it's a really special moment. And I love the fact that Jesus, one of the, I, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of pictures of what the church is supposed to be and how it's supposed to be. But I believe my favorite analogy of really what Jesus' bride, is, his church is all about, is when we talk about the church, oftentimes we have a picture that is not like a good-looking bride on her wedding day. Oftentimes there's so many bad associations, so many negative experiences. I would say many people would say, you think of church, you think of something dry, boring, dull. I remember... Um, Driving by, if I, I'll be honest, one of my pet peeves is driving by dilapidated old churches that are run down, and you go outside, and the building's falling apart, and the lawn's overgrown, and the bushes aren't taken care of, and the building, the paint is falling off, and it was like some sort of decoration scheme from the first century, and, and it's just dilapidated. 
And it drives me crazy to see properties like that, especially on the outside when they have signs that say, Jesus saves. I'm like, he saves from what? What's he saving from? I, I believe that the church is not supposed to be a dilapidated rundown, barely making it, just completely screwed up complexion, nasty wardrobe, bunch of stains. Can you imagine walking on your wedding day with, with no makeup, just rolling out of bed? Can you imagine rolling in with some outfit that was just normal, that has stains on it? You got spaghetti from my daughter borrowing your clothes last night? Can you imagine rolling in on your wedding day and not, being, not, not looking the part for your role? And I just, I, I felt so stirred in my heart that the church that's facing impossible suffering times needs to see a bride that is glorious. Jesus' bride, he's coming back for. Again, I want to remind you that when Jesus returns, it's not a rescue mission. It's not a let's bail California Christians out. Let's get people out of jail. Let's get them out of purgatory. Let's rescue them from the big, bad, evil, dark world. This is not the context of the return of Jesus. I'm old-fashioned. I, I know he's going to return. I know the trumpet will sound. I know the sky will crack. I know that he'll be on a horse, that we will know that he has a, he's a tattoo on his leg. Come on, it says the word of God. We know that he will come with fire in his eyes and hair like wool, and he's coming back to claim not a broke-down, busted, dilapidated, falling-apart church that says, rescue me. He's coming back for a people that are glorious. The Bible says the state of the, the latter-day church will be greater than the former days. It says the end of the thing is better than the beginning of a thing. Right now, we are, we are looking at the book of Acts as though it was some figment of history that was special, unique, and will never happen again. But I want you to know that God is coming back for a church that is salt, that is light, and when it says Jesus saves, the world knows what it's saved from. What does he save from? How about Psalms 103? Who heals all your diseases, who forgives all your sins, who renews your youth like the eagles, who restores your life from destruction. This is the kind of saving we're talking about here today. Can I get an amen? We have too many people that have a, that have a, just a very disenfranchised taste of what the church is supposed to look like. Scandals, screw-ups, failures, falling apart, bad experiences, uh, a compromise. Uh, uh, did I say scandals? Scandals. Scandals. Crazy stuff in churches, and we've somehow lost sight that because people are involved, there's never going to be anything glorious about it. I've been to Chick-fil-A's that are ran well, and I've been to Chick-fil-A's that are ran incredibly well. You know what the difference is? It's the people that are involved there leading it. I've been to some churches that are ran well, and I've been to other churches that ran it really, really well. You know what it is? It's the people. And in every, in every, it doesn't matter what you do in life, there will be some that are going to do it really well and some that aren't going to do it as well. We're not throwing rocks at anybody. We're not claiming to be better than anybody else. But I do believe that our conviction here at Oceans Church is that God is coming back for a church that is glorious, that is full of faith, and knows how to pray. Can I get a good amen? A glorious bride. A good-looking bride. A church that knows how to see for sins forgiven. A church that knows how to believe for diseases to be healed. 
A church that knows how to believe for lives to be redeemed from destruction. A church that knows how to believe that God is a God that can crown with loving kindness and tender mercies. And a church that my God can satisfy your mouth with good things. Jesus saves. From what? How about where I came from? How about where I deserve to be today? How about giving me what I don't, what I never earned, never deserve, never worked for? How about a God that surprises you with kindness? Many people have a small picture of church. I was thinking last night with 18,000 people at crypto or Staples or whatever arena they want to call it. And I'm looking around as, as LeBron goes off for six, 56 points. It's like revival without the presence of God. People are shouting and clapping. My daughter, who's a Golden State Warriors fan, forgive her. She was even getting caught up in the moment. And it was wild that this is like electric environment. You know what I thought to myself? I thought, man, I said, there's people here that are rich. There's people here that are poor. There's celebrities. There's construction workers. There's people that are all different ethnicities, different tongues, tribes, language. There was sultans from the Middle East. There was people from all different backgrounds. It was wild, different religious pedigrees. But everybody came together with unity because of what they loved. And I thought to myself, man, what would, what would cities, states, and counties look like? If we could gather together, not, in, not under the guise of our differences, but under the guise of what we love. We are a bride in love with our groom. He's coming back for us. And God is going to wash us with the watering of his words. Why does God wash us with his words? To give us faith. You know what you need? You need faith. The Bible says, is anyone suffering? You know what you need? You need faith. Let, let him pray. Let him pray. Let him what? Pray. Many times we don't realize that, man, the key to living a life that's glorious is a life that's full of prayer. Yeah. My first thing I want you to write down today is I want you to get this in your heart today, that, that if I'm going to live a life that's glorious, I have to live a life that is full of prayer. Yeah. I, I talked about it last week. I'm going to keep hitting this vein because listen to me very clearly. The impossible is connected to prayer. Yeah. And prayer is connected to the impossible. I would say power and prayer, they come together and they leave together. I repeat, power and prayer, they come together and they leave together. You ever been to a church that has power? It has prayer. And when that church stops praying, the power also leaves. When you have one, you have the other. When one's missing, so is the other. Say it with me, power and prayer. And I believe this is so powerful that James 5 says, is anyone suffering, let him pray let him what come on let him pray and many times we live in a day and age jesus said when the son of man returns will he find faith in the earth will people be watching and praying the glorious church is praying what are we praying that disciples will be made that cities will be transformed that the glory of the latter house will be better than the former house this is what we pray can i get a, can i get a witness here today if you're if you're suffering we got to pray I believe that in the Middle East, our prayers change things. I believe that in Ukraine and Europe, things prayer changes things. I, I believe that in the state of California, prayer changes things. You look at Azusa Street, you look at the Jesus People Movement, you look at Crystal Cathedral, you look at all these things that have happened in the last 50, 60, 70, 100 years. I will show you men and women, the Evan Roberts. I will show you the people that are praying, Lord, bend me. Welsh revivals. 
you study the great sovereign awakenings and I will show you a glorious church that knows how to pray. We don't just pray in success. We pray in our suffering. The Bible never promises that you won't suffer. It says that when you do, you can pray. What happens when you pray when you suffer? God begins to rise you out of it. And many times we have this small picture that God isn't big enough to get us out of our suffering. Then why would James say to pray? If it is what it is, he'd say, if you're suffering, sorry. He doesn't say if you're suffering, sorry. He says, if anyone among you is suffering, let him Glorious Christians, they know that when life is tough, it's time to pray. When life is challenging, it's time to pray. When life has, has walls, oppositions, and mountains, come on with me today, it's time, it's time to pray. And quite frankly, I know I'm preaching to the church, to the choir, but honestly, how many times do we face difficulties and our first response is to complain, to cuss, to do something stupid, godless, or faithless? Where are those that say, babe, we got to get over this. Let's pray. One of the best things about my wife was not how she looked on our wedding day. It's how she's lived the last 17 years. My wife, when we had our back against the walls, when we didn't have the resources, didn't have the people, didn't have the horsepower, didn't have the vision, she goes, Mark, there is a God that can get us through this. Let us, come on, say with me, let us pray. I'm telling you that your life lacks power because oftentimes it lacks God is returning for a church that knows how to pray personally. Well, I don't know how to pray. Can you really hear God? This is a big question. Probably the number one question that pastors get asked is, how do you hear God? I'll give you a quick answer to that. You guys ready? How do you hear God? I would say you hear God by a couple ways. Number one, set a time and a place. Set a time and a place. It's crazy that you have meetings for people you don't even like. But you won't set a meeting with God. If you don't have an appointment, you'll have disappointment. you got to make an appointment with God. Can I get a good amen? Time, place, and God, uh, I, I like to say this way. You need to have a God-prepared atmosphere. Notice that Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, but he prayed, but he prayed earnestly. And it didn't rain. Say it with me, rain. You know what rain comes from? It comes from the atmosphere. This was Circles. Angels? <laughs> Old movie quote. Sign language. I don't know what that was. Let him pray. I believe that prayer is a prepared place. Prayer is a prepared atmosphere. You know what God likes to invade? Prepared atmospheres. Well, no, we're church, our church doesn't plan anything. We just show up, the spirit leads. That's great. There's churches that do it and they get away with it. That's fine. But I don't think that God has any problem with us praying before we meet. In advance of God, where do you want to go when we're there? God oftentimes shows up in atmospheres that have been prepared for his presence. So we're going to be a church that, come on, stay with me today. Come on, say praise. And we do this by being a church that sets a time and has an appointment. It's a time and a place. It's an atmosphere that's prepared. And I would say you hear God's voice by, by being still and by worshiping. One of the hardest things to turn off is your brain. And one of the things you got to do when you get in the presence of God is go, God, I'm going to shut everything else aside, and I'm going to focus on you. I'm going to put some worship music on. I'm going to hop on the piano for a little bit. I wish, right? I don't play the piano. But I'm going to, come on, if I was like Keith, come on, I'd be on the piano. I have some friends. But listen, I'm going to turn some worship music on, and I'm going to begin to worship. 
I believe that God speaks where we, come on, where we take a time and a place, where we actually begin to read, and, or excuse me, where we begin to worship and clear our minds, where we begin to read the Bible. Pray and read the Bible. What, what do you talk about? You talk about what you're thinking about. I got a bill this week. I got a, I got a job. I got, a, I got an interview. I got a meeting. I got, a, I got an opportunity. I got a difficulty. I have a financial lack. What do you pray about? What you are thinking about. What do you do? You pray your mind. How do you know when you hear God's voice, Mark? Well, you pray and then you read the Bible. And when you read the Bible, what I often do is two secrets. I read it out loud because faith comes by. And you don't hear if you don't read. And I'm telling you that you read it out loud. One of the biggest disservices that, that our educational system has served us is they taught us how to read out loud. But once we learned how to read, they said, now be quiet. And we've done that into our devotional lives. We read it silently. And I read it. I'm not saying you can't get good stuff silently, but something happens when you read out loud. I read it out loud. And when I read it out loud, people say, Mark, what do you read? Where do you read it at? Where do you read it at? I'm like, on the inside. Read on the inside of the Bible. Outside says Holy Bible, okay? You want to go inside. Go inside. Read the inside of the Bible. Come on. Be still, worship, pray, and read the Bible, and then listen and write down what you're thinking about or what you're reading on the inside. Write your prayers down. Many times people don't know what God's saying because they don't take the time to spend time with him and write down what God's saying. What does a glorious church look like? It looks like a church that prays personally. Are you with me? Well, how do you know it's, it's God and not, not you? That's another big question. How do you know that the church, that God's speaking to the church? How do you know that God's speaking to you, Mark? I know it because of a few things. Number one, I know that God speaks to me, and when he does, it always lines up with his character. God doesn't say stuff that dishonors his word. That's why when the devil came to tempt Jesus, he used his word, and Jesus clarified what was, what was done and said by saying, it is written. It is written. God has never asked any human being to do something contrary to his character. No, God told me to do something mean to people. No, 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 no. That's against the character of God. Had a, I heard a guy one time said, no, God told me to divorce my wife. There was no real reason to do it. Just, just, I, I'm just, I'm kind of done. I feel like it's time to move on. God gave me a word. It's like, no, no, the devil gave you a word. The devil brought a word from God to Jesus and tried to twist God's own word against God's own son. That's kind of stupid if you think about it. You're bringing, you're trying to trick Jesus who is the word with the word. How do you overcome? Listen to me today. It's when we realize that when God speaks, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't, doesn't, distract or, or dispute his character. I believe that God, when he speaks to you, it doesn't, it doesn't always go against counsel. I believe when God begins to speak to you, when you begin to pray, it'll actually line up with godly counsel. God told me to sell everything today, just do something like spontaneous and off the cuff, and there is no counsel. The Bible says in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. we got to be a church that is glorious by praying, and actually not just praying personally, but praying prayers of, 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 of guidance, of safety, a set time, and having godly counsel. And I believe that one of the ways that we know when we begin to pray, this is God, is God will give you a calling that has peace. God's peace always accommodates God's directions. And many times we'll have an idea that we have zero peace for. Look for God's peace. It says in Philippians, and the peace of God. It says to be anxious for nothing, to pray about everything. 
prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God and let the peace of God rule in your heart. Paul oftentimes used sports analogies like running the race, like finishing the course. He uses a sports idiom here when he says, let the peace of God rule. It's the Greek word where we get umpire from. And God's peace, when you're making big decisions, when you're, when you're alone with God, it doesn't contradict his character, it doesn't contradict counsel, and it certainly doesn't go against God's peace. There's times that God asks you to do something and it's scary, but there's been moments that sometimes the greatest, scariest things he's asked Rochelle and I to do have also been accompanied by the greatest dimension of peace. Orange County, look for God's peace. I believe that God is coming back for a church that is glorious, that is full of faith, that knows how to pray. Do you believe it today? And if we're going to do this, we got to be a church that has faith as we pray for the impossible. I believe that we have to be a church that has faith for miracles. Can I get a good amen? we got to be a church that has faith for a natural, supernatural harvest. we got to be a church that has faith for spiritual awakenings to regions and nations. We gotta be a church that has faith to strengthen us and challenge us, uh, and, and encourage us in challenging times. We gotta be a church that's, that's glorious, that has faith to be strong in the grace and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. God is coming back for a glorious church. I don't know about you, as we finish up today, I wanna grow in the favor of God. I wanna grow in the anointing of God. I wanna have faith for the miraculous provisions of God. Anybody else today? He's coming back for a glorious church. Jesus saves. Everything's dilapidated. I'm telling you today, I really believe in my heart of hearts that God wants to do something through your life and my life that would make everybody around us wonder, what is different about you? I believe when we have the same bad habits, same darkness, live the same dysfunctional existences, and we say, no, our God is different. We're doing him a great disservice. God wants to lead us out of the weeds. God wants to get us out of the darkness. Are you with me today? He's coming back for a glorious bride. I don't know. I just, I believe that Mark, well, I'm too screwed up. I'm telling you today that we're not going to let our enemies, our mountains, and our setbacks, not even stumbling blocks or unbelieving people stop us from believing that God, with God, all things are possible. The glorious church knows that nothing is too hard for the Lord. It knows that God works all things together for good. God, the glorious church knows that God can use anybody. Say, say this with me, anybody. I'm almost finished. Come on, say it with me. Say anybody. Come on, San Juan, say anybody. I believe that God can use anybody. Notice that Moses ran from justice, but God still used him. Notice that Jonah ran from God, but God still used him. Notice that Rahab ran a brothel, but God still used her. Notice that Samson ran to the wrong woman, but God used him. Notice that Jacob ran in the wrong circles, but God used him. Notice that Elijah ran into the mountains, but God used him. Notice that Peter ran a fishing operation, but God used him. Sarah ran out of hope. Lot ran with the wrong crowd, but God could use anyone. The story of the Bible, from the old to the new, is that God can take broken and dysfunctional and make it glorious and wonderful. God is coming back for a church in Orange County that is glorious. A church that's not scrapping it, not, not, not scraping by. I don't know what scrapping it means. It's trying to think like not army crawling, not praying to get raptured. Please, God, rescue me from my bad life. God is big enough to get you out of the darkness, out of the weeds, 
out of the hopelessness, out of the despair. Come on, if you believe it, come on, say a good amen. We're going to be a church that's glorious. See, we live in a world that, that measures waist sizes and biceps and wallets, but not God. God gauges the heart. God doesn't look on the outward appearance. He looks on the inward appearance. God is raising up a people in Orange County, I believe, that are going to go from faith to faith. A church that is set apart, that is glorious. A church that is full of purpose livers, people builders, life talkers, joy producers, promise keepers, mountain climbers, truth speakers, giant slayers, water walkers, and Jesus followers. Glorious churches are history-making churches. And I'm just, I'm fully convinced today that God is ready to raise us up for such a time, such a season, to be a praying people. I believe in personal prayer. I believe in pastors praying for me. I believe in having friends that pray for me. That's what James says. If you're suffering, pray. If you're sick, call for the elders of the church. Yeah, if you're, if you're going through a tough time, confess your sins one to another and pray for one another. Oh, and by the way, if you want to change atmospheres, you want to change cities, pray with such earnest passion for the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man, a righteous church, a glorious bride avails much. He was a man with a nature like ours and he prayed earnestly that it wouldn't rain and it didn't rain for three years and six months. And he prayed again and the heavens gave rain. God is coming back not for a half-hearted, lukewarm, barely hanging on church. He's coming back for glorious believers. I would say half the tent is in one. Half the tent believes it today. Come on, everybody hop up to your feet. Give them a hand clap and a shout for 10 seconds. We believe today. I want to pray for you. I believe that we're going to be a church that knows the voice of God, that loves the presence of God, that knows how to pray to God and with God. And as we do, I believe that we will be a glorious bride. You know what I love about great marriages? Great marriages oftentimes are marked by a hallmark that they start to almost look like each other when they've been married long enough. You ever been there before? I know it sounds weird, but it's 100% true. Like your mannerisms are the same. You finish each other's sentences. Why? Because you've been, you've been married together. you spent time together. You've been intimate with one another. You know when Christians start to look like Jesus? When they spent time with Him. When they've loved Him. When they've been intimate with Him. The glorious bride reflects the nature of their groom. That's what we're going to do, Orange County. I believe there's many churches, a lot of great churches, especially this region. But there are still a lot of churches out there that have a very small picture of Jesus and a very ugly picture of what the church is. Can we agree that we've, we've seen or heard about some, man, some ugly things in the church? Do not ever let an ugly thing put an ugly picture of God's bride. He's not coming back for sidewalk prophets, Rambo Christians, people that are out of community and out from under authority. He's coming back for a bride, a glorious church that is unified, that is vision-focused, that is spirit-led, that is word-driven, that has a purpose and a plan for eternity. God, I ask you today, come on, hands on our hearts, that God, you would make us a glorious bride. I pray like all of our wives in here, 
on our wedding day that God you would get us prepared I pray you would wash off the dirt from yesterday I pray you'd wash off the mistakes of last decades previous relationships marriages family breakdowns I even pray God those that have been abused in a church those that have been had bad experiences with religion God let today be a day of your healing your healing ointment balm of Gilead I pray that God today you would heal those deep wounds in minds, in hearts, in soul, in spirit. God, I pray today that we'd be a glorious bride. Makeup perfect, outfit flawless, and heart posture ready. I ask that, Lord, we'd be a praying church, a church that was a church and is a church that believes that you can do anything. Holy Spirit, would you come today? Signs, wonders, power, glory. Would you wash us? How many feel like today, God, I would love to be a, I would love to be a bride. I, I know it's hard for guys sometimes, but I would love to be ready for the wedding day. Would you pray today that God would make my marriage glorious? Would you pray today that God would make my faith and my walk with Him glorious? I'm going to make an appointment this week. I'm going to be still in worship. I'm going to pray and read my Bible. And I'm going to listen and I'm going to write what He tells me to do. And I believe as we do that, we're going to be a church that doesn't just have faith. We have actions. Who wants to have actions too? There are a lot of churches out there that have faith, but not a lot of actions. God, God does both. So here's what I want to do today. You say, Mark, I want, would you pray for me that God would wash me? I just feel like some of you just you feel dirty on the inside a little bit. Not because you're a bad person, but because you just, you just want the water of God's word to wash you today. It's almost like when you spill spaghetti on a white shirt is so frustrating you got to go in the bathroom right away and you got to wash it off i feel like god today wants to remove some stains some of you your wedding gowns are stained and god wants to clean and to wash and to cleanse how many say mark i've had a bad experience maybe been been in an unhealthy church unhealthy environment you don't have to raise your hand right now maybe had a bad bad encounter with god maybe like a, a, a god encounter with somebody else Maybe it was a weird Christian, a hyper spooky place. But today you go, Mark, would you pray for me? That God would wash me from the stains of bad experiences. Just raise your hand today. You had a bad experience somewhere along the way. It's affected you believing for the future. Man, I had a bad, I got, I got stolen, I got cheated, I got lied to, I got abused, I got hurt. I believe that that's real. There's, there's real things that happen in life. Hands up all over today. We put our hands on our heart today. How many want to be washed by his words? Who wants to be a glorious bride? Put your hands on your heart today. Let's pray this prayer, Oceans. Say, Lord, today I invite you, Spirit of the living God, to wash my mind, wash my heart, wash my spirit. Would you remove the stains of doubt, unbelief, bad example, and unhealthy, unbiblical theology? Give me a new mind, a new picture, a new future, and a new hope. Holy Spirit, I want to be a glorious believer that you want to return for. In Jesus' name. Glorious Church believes that the sick will be healed, that the dead will be raised, that the blind will see, that the deaf will hear. That's what the Glorious Bride does. It is a praying church. Is anyone among you sick? Let him, let him pray the prayer of faith. Who believes that God still answers the prayer of faith?
Here's what we're going to do today. If you, need, if you need healing in your body, physically, broken heart, PTSD, I even feel like today there's going to be people with mental illness that's going to be healed. Mental illness. I believe that today is the day schizophrenia gets evicted. Today is the day that bipolar conditions get healed. Today is the day that God heals a mind with creative miracles. If you're here today and you believe that God can heal, and you would say, God, if you could, I would love it if you would heal me. Physically, mentally, spiritually, today, come on, it says that healing is the children's bread. Would you lift your hands all over, the, all over San Juan, all over the tents, eyes closed, heads bowed, God, would you please heal me? Would you heal me? Hands that are up all over, eyes closed, that's awesome. Would you just do me a favor, if your hand's not up, would you just look around real quick? There's a lot of hands up today. I want to make sure everyone that has a hand up has someone pray for them. Go ahead and put your hand on someone next to you. Don't get crazy. You know, the speaking tongues, full volume. Just put your hand on them. Come on, very, very normally. Come on, I want you to be very supernatural, but very natural. I want you to just pray this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, we invite you right now. Heal, wash, cleanse, restore, and even evict. Kick out sickness, darkness, demons, addictions, right now, top of their head, soles of their feet, heal, right now, yeah, someone we're praying for right now, one of you, you're getting prayed for, and I see God restoring your youth, someone, I don't know if you were in the Hollywood industry, modeling, something like that, and it's almost like you feel like your childhood was taken from you, and I believe that God today is going to make all things new, going to be a fun new season that you enter into. He's going to give you best friends like you would have had when you were a kid. God is going to answer those deep desires that are in your heart. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Come on, He's doing it right now. Someone here, you have an autoimmune disease? I pray in Jesus' name. Top of your head, inside, outside, bottom of your feet. Healing now. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. I don't know there's someone here named Al or Alfred. But I believe the day that God is even right now knocking on the door of your heart. He wants to visit you. He wants to know you. And you even heard me share how God can um, be your friend. That you can talk to him. And he can talk to you. And you go, God, if that is real, I want that. Alfred or Al, I'd love it if you would raise your hand with the rest of the room that's going to give their life to Jesus. If you didn't raise your hand in the beginning with those ten, but you know that in the last hour, God has done something in your heart. And you say, God, I'm ready to open up. I want to be a glorious believer. I want to follow you. I want to serve you. I want to love you. I want to live for you. I want to be salt and light to the earth. Would you be favor all over the room today? I'm not asking you to get religious. I'm asking you to invite God all the way in. You want to give your life all the way to God today. Surrender and declare he's God in your life. Eyes closed, heads bowed. There's at least three more today. You didn't raise your hand in the beginning but you're ready to give your life to God. He's knocking right now. Would you do me a favor? No one's looking. No one's looking. No one's looking. Would you raise your hand right now? I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want you to lift your hand. There's three more. There's one. There's two. There's three. Keep it up. There's four. I think she raised her hand earlier, though. That's that's three more. Three more. Yeah, yeah. There's four, 13 total. Oceans, one more time. Let's, let's pray this prayer of invitation. Lord, today we invite you. Say with me. I invite you. Spirit of God, make me more like you. Wash me with your word. 
fill me with your spirit guide my life direct my life heal my life and from here forward be the leader lord savior ceo all my days are in your hands i love you thank you for healing me saving me jesus name come on the glorious church that does the impossible said amen give me a hand clap today thanks for listening to our podcast have a great week